0: It's time for Feet to the Fire Writers' Workshops Out Loud, where we spark connection through writing. People write lasting stories, and it's important that we hear writers' voices. Everyone has a distinct story, a voice, and they need to be heard. Here is your host and founder, Angela Burton. We have Joe Proctor on our show today. And to give you a little bit about Joe, he is a graduate of Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, which, by the way, I started out at Western Joe. Uh, He majored in English and economics, which were two worthy plans of action, I believe. Joe worked for many years with Red Cross Disaster Services, and he retired in 2012 This was a job that had him traveling throughout the country fighting disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fires. He's also a man of many hobbies, including writing haiku poetry, traveling abroad. He's been to 33 countries and counting, wow, attending classes at Veritas, walking, and gardening. Joe has two grown daughters, Tracy and Robin. And Joe, we are really happy that you could be on today with us.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Angela. It's uh, really a treat to be here. I know you had a lot of uh, uh, good candidates to choose from, so I feel (laughs) uh, honored to be selected today. And I hope I don't disappoint
0: Oh, your your writing has always captivated me, so I have no doubt that whatever you've got on in store to read is is going to be good. In fact, that's why I thought of you when um when I was looking at people to re- to reach out to for the podcast. And it doesn't hurt that you have a bit of a background, right, in uh radio.
1: Well, uh, I um, was both a student and an employee of a radio station uh, in Bowling Green, and it was a long week because uh, I typically worked 30 to 35 hours a week and carried a college load of it anywhere from uh, 15 to 17 hours. So I was a busy dude.
0: Wow. That's a heavy schedule. That is. So, but did you you take that job just to... Asked, did you take that job because you liked working in radio or you just wanted to try it out or what?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, my older brother was in broadcasting in Bowling Green, and uh, I really, he was uh, my idol, and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. So I went after leaving the service, I went in at 16 and got out at 18, being in France for two years. So I decided to go to the University of Kentucky. So I went down to uh, Highway 60 in Middletown and stuck out my thumb and went to college. And I stayed (laughs) at uh, UK for one year uh, majoring in radio television arts. And I did well, and I liked it. And at the end of the year, my brother said, well, apparently this is in your blood. So if you really want to learn the business, come down to Bowling Green, and I'll give you a job. So I left Wildcat Country and went into hilltopper country.
0: (laughs) That's a great story. I like that story, especially the part that you stuck out your thumb.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's right. Um, It it was a a, a good experience for me, and I remained in broadcasting for six years. I eventually uh, left broadcasting and went into nonprofit work, Uh, and I ended my career with Red Cross, which is in a... Really an incredible organization. They do so much good to so many people.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. They certainly do. Um, So one of the things that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast with some of our our guests that have come on, obviously we can't avoid talking about this, but um, the current uh, global pandemic and how it affects People's abilities to either um, develop new hobbies or find happiness in some of the hobbies that they enjoy, and I know you have multiple hobbies, um, writing being one of them. But I wanted to ask you to just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, why you find writing enjoyable, and and if you're actually still doing some writing during COVID.
1: Well, uh, I've been writing for a long time, actually. Just to give you a brief background on my writing experience, uh, I I guess it started uh, when I was at the radio station in Bowling Green. And in addition to being a nighttime DJ, I was a copywriter. And for uh, the information of your uh, listeners, a copywriter is a person who writes commercials. So... uh, I began my writing career professionally as a copywriter, and uh, after that, uh, beginning in 1976, I started writing a journal on a daily basis. So (laughs) sick or well, traveling or at home, I never missed a day of journaling. And to this day, uh, the first 30 minutes of every day is devoted to journaling. Wow. Wow. When I retired from the Red Cross, I took up another hobby and that was writing haiku poetry. And um, on a good month, I will write 30 haiku poems and uh, this has become a major uh, uh, hobby of mine. Uh, We seniors are told to keep our brain active. So a lot of seniors work crossword puzzles but I just don't do well with those. So I decided that poetry might be the thing, and uh, that's what I had been doing. But to your question, I think writing is perhaps the highest form of expression. The spoken word is important, but it comes and goes. And if it's not written down, no one remembers it later on. But writing can be permanent. Uh, I will refer to one of my journals of 20 years ago, to find out something about what I did or what was going on in my brain at that time. So writing is that important to me.
0: What you just said about writing and how important it is to keep your brain uh, stretched, as it were, to keep your brain active, I think is incredible. And I couldn't agree more. Not, Not everybody likes to work crossword puzzles, but writing takes it, a zillion steps forward than crossword puzzles because you have to figure out how to piece the words together. Um, I'm glad to hear that you write every day as a practice. I think that's really that's really inspiring to hear that you do that.
1: It's just something that uh, I do automatically. Uh, I get up, plug in the pot, and write uh, the, the journal of the day before. So it's just a, an automatic thing.
0: Wow. And what do you think you're going to do with—what do you do with all these journals? Do you just keep them stacked in places? Like, what do you do with them?
1: I have a bookcase upstairs in my house, and Mm -hmm. two rows are filled with journals. And it takes up a lot of room. I have talked to um, some people as to what to do with them. Some say I should pass them on to my kids— uh, some suggested that I burn them. <laughs> I don't know what to do. with. Maybe I could give it as part of a paper sale. But they, they take up a lot of room. But I, they do come in handy because if I want to remember an event that took place 20 years ago, I can go right. to the journal of 20 years ago and I can read about uh, the event that I was researching. So it does come in handy.
0: That's incredible. Um, you know, some people, it would take, you've got a lot, but maybe your daughters, if they're interested, could help you scan those, those journals into, you know, uh, like PDFs, like digital files that would not take up all that room, and then they would have them. Um, just a thought.
1: One of the things that um, people ask me is uh, what advice or what tips Can I get people who want to start writing? And and I have some very uh, strong feelings about this, Angela. Um, First of all, I would say to people who want to write, don't sweat it, just do it. Uh, That's the Nike motto, just do it. And I think that that's what people need to do. It's not a test, uh, and we just have to loosen up and do it. I'm reminded of a famous statement made by FDR as part of his inauguration speech in the mid-30s. And he said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. We've all heard this. We've heard it all our lives. But this applies to creative writing. It's the element of fear that that just bothers us. I want to put in a plug, Angela, for the class that I took with you on creative writing of several years back. Uh, There was a group of about six or seven of us sitting around a table, and we were strangers to one another, and probably most of us were new at creative writing. But uh, somehow you created the confidence in us to not fear reading our work. And we got so comfortable with it, sometimes you had to cut us off. We just didn't want to stop.
0: (laughs) uh,
1: People just need to jump in and follow the Mikey slogan, just do it.
0: So, Joe, would you just do it and read us some of your work? I would love to hear it.
1: Uh, I'd be glad to do this. What I want to read is a story that I originally wrote during one of your classes several years ago. And unfortunately, um, I I lost the story, and I had to recreate it again uh, in the past week. And it was fun to recreate it. Uh, So there are some things that uh, I'm sure are new and other things that are not new from my report of two years ago. But this is what it's called. It's called... The Ray Charles story. The year was 1959. It was summer and muggy and hot, with cicadas and crickets trying to outdo one another. Dwight Eisenhower was president. John Glenn walked and ceased. The cost of a gallon of gas was 25 cents. Frank Sinatra and Doris Day were pop singers. I was a college student at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, but I had a job as well, at being a nighttime disc jockey at a local radio station. This role made me popular with my fellow students, who looked upon me as some sort of celebrity. And of course, it stroked my ego. One day, the radio station manager called me into his office and gave me an intriguing assignment. <laughs> he told me that Ray Charles was coming to town and I was to be on the scene with a taped interview to be aired later. I had never interviewed a person of this magnitude before, so I had to do my homework before meeting Charles. I learned that his music was a blend of blues, jazz, gospel, and rhythm and blues. Nat King Cole was a major influence, and Billy Joel said he was more important than Elvis. Well, it was the night of the concert, and the place was filled with smoke and laughter, and the audience was on fire. Ray Charles had just finished singing, I Got a Woman. And was heading my way for the interview he led off by saying how are you doing man I asked him questions that I thought the radio audience would like to hear where do you go from here how long has the group been together who are your musical idols what are your ambitions as a performer he answered each group question thoughtfully. And with care, finally the break was over. He shook my hand and took to the bandstand. I remember Frank Sinatra's remarks that Charles was the only genius in show business, and I turned off my recorder and headed for the exit.
0: I don't know that I've ever heard any of anybody or met anybody that's met Ray Charles. So, yeah, a great story.
1: It it really was um, uh, a moment to remember, and you can be sure that I put that in my journal.
0: Oh, absolutely. That had to be one of the high points of your life. It would have been the high point in mine for sure. So you also have um, written some haiku because you said you write haiku too, and I would love for you to share a couple of, of those haiku with us if you would.
1: Okay. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I began writing IQ when I uh, uh, stopped working for the Red Cross about eight years ago. And um, I decided that I would write uh, primarily about pr- uh, current events. So the fodder for my uh, stories frequently was on page one in the newspaper. So it was certainly no surprise that I began writing about the Corona virus when this broke out in this area in early uh, March. And I wrote about 10 haiku poems and I would like to just share uh, three of them with you. They're very short. Uh, you, you won't have time to go to the bathroom for a break because <laughs> when you come back, they were long gone. So these, uh, these poems are five seconds or less. So, uh, And there are three lines. So this is the way the first one goes. Stock market down. Coronavirus. Raging. No handshaking. The rain has stopped. The virus has not.
0: Wow. Wow, those are beautiful, beautiful haiku. And... I do believe that you are one of the few people that I know who write such lovely haiku. And it's a Japanese form of poetry, correct?
1: That's, that's right. Uh, yeah. Haiku uh, was uh, originated in Japan in probably the 17th century. And um, all of the pioneers of this form of writing were Japanese. And today, uh, there is a haiku society uh, in most of the countries of the the world. And they have an elected board of directors. And it's no surprise that the Japanese dominate the officers and members of the board because uh, haiku continues to be a very popular and high form of art in that country.
0: I I am inspired by you joe i really am and i'm glad that you were able to give us your time today and share your words your story and your haiku and i'm so happy that you're writing still
1: well it's been a pleasure chatting with you angela and you have caused me to uh rethink why i'm writing and uh it's been a very stimulating exercise for me as well and again Thank you for uh, allowing me to share uh, the microphone with you.
0: Join us again to hear Feet to the Fire Writers' Workshops out loud, where stories matter and voices connect us. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.